I'm on right now. I don't believe you. That's not six. One plus two plus two plus one. You really are crazy. Well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Me? No, come on. Don't be crazy. Hello, everyone. Have you all ever questioned if La La Land deserved to be nominated for Best Picture? Or debated if Quentin Tarantino is actually overrated? Or perhaps challenge others by asking, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Here on the Don't Be Crazy Movie Podcast, we ask these questions and more with the help of fellow film enthusiasts. Who's we? I'm Zach Rancourt, and with me today is John Edmonds. We might not be certified film critics or have our own column in, in The New Yorker, but the only thing we love more than cinema is talking about it. So... Welcome, John. So good to have you here again. Thanks for having on me the, back on the Don't Be Crazy podcast. Uh, for the for the people who didn't listen the last time uh, you were on here, go ahead and just give us a quick who you are. Um, I'm just pretty much just John Edmonds, uh, a fellow fu- film enthusiast, just making my way through the galaxy, just loving film and all the all things media. What's your favorite movie starring Kevin Bacon? Oh, starring Kevin Bacon. I mean. It's gotta be Tremors. Tremors is great. I like Footloose a lot, but Tremors is fantastic. That movie scared the shit out of me when I was a kid, and it's still pretty pretty gnarly to, to look Tremor, at. In Tremors too scared me as a kid. Something yeah. about the um, the, the graboids, yeah. the, the graboids and the screamers that they evolved into. Yeah, that was. Uh, I didn't like that one bit. The little ones that, that could run around and everything. That's crazy. Gotcha. Yeah, and we are uh, we're going to be reviewing a movie that is very similar to Tremors. It is Home Alone from 1990. It is the holiday season, everyone. I'm so excited. Christmas is actually my least favorite holiday. However, I love all the pageantry and the pomp and circumstance that is involved in Christmas. So happy holidays for all of the things, your Kwanzas, your Hanukkahs, your Christmas, all that stuff. Um, but we will be reviewing Home Alone from 1990. The film was directed by Chris Columbus, not Christopher Columbus, that person who uh, usurped the United States and claimed uh, fame here, but I won't get into that. It is Chris Columbus who directed Inven- Adventures in Babysitting, Mrs. Doubtfire, Harry Potter 1 and 2, amongst many other films that you probably would recognize. It was also written by one Mr. John Hughes, and John Hughes is famous for Pretty in Pink, 16 Candles, The Breakfast Club, Uncle Buck, you name it, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. He is synonymous with the 80s, one of the most insane writers of all time and just incredible. Um, But yes, he penned the script for this. It stars Macaulay Culkin, Joe Pesci, Daniel Stern, John Hurd, Catherine O'Hara, who's amazing, and Roberts Blossom. Critical reception. The movie did very well on IMDb. It was 7.7 out of 10. So that's about a C plus, I'd say. So maybe not as good, but I think that's pretty good. It should be higher. Yeah, it probably should be higher. On Rotten Tomatoes, 67% tomato meter. So those critics uh, don't really like it as much, but maybe it just hasn't been reviewed in, in, in a long time. So. I don't know, 80% audience score, which is insane to me because I feel like I've never met a person who doesn't like this movie. It's exactly it's it's just a classic. It's a it's a holiday classic. I tell you, if you don't if you don't like it, I don't like you. If you don't like it, you can get the hell out of here. Then you can get out. You you know what, Napoleon? You can get you. It is streaming on Disney Plus, but I also own it on 4K on digital because I'm a G. So, yeah, it is available on Disney Plus for you. Had a budget of 18 million dollars. And in the U.S. and Canada overall, it grossed uh, 285.7 million. So very successful. A boatload of money. For 1990? Yeah, that's a, that's a lot. That's like 
400 million now. Wow. Probably. Opening weekend in US and Canada was on November 18th, 1990, and it made 17 million. So it almost made as much as the movie cost that weekend. So that's fascinating. Um, weird they didn't that's, open it in, in December, but yeah, that is insane. And then gross worldwide, it made $476.7 million. That's a lot of a lot of chump change. That's a lot of money. A lot of money. So apparently Joe Pesci, um, to he was very scary in this movie, and he's been scary in many other roles, but he avoided Macaulay Culkin on set. He wanted to make Macaulay Culkin think that he was mean, so he never wanted to inter- interact with him. So that's pretty awesome, awesome method acting. That's some good method. Uh, if I'd say so myself. The picture Kevin finds of Buzz's girlfriend, the famous Buzz, your girlfriend, woof. That was actually a picture of a boy made up to look like a girl because Chris Columbus, the director, he thought it'd be too cruel to make fun of a girl like that. So the boy that was using the photo was actually the art director, Dan Webster's son. And I think that's hilarious because that's so thoughtful because it's right. You, you don't want to be known as Buzz's girlfriend the entire time. So they, Oh, yeah, you're Buzz's girlfriend. Woof. They just put a... For- Put a chubby life. kid instead. Yeah, they put, a, they a, put a they put a chubby kid dressed as a girl. That's better. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and uh, super fun fact too: Joe Pesci. So he is known for saying uh, "f u c k" a lot, which is spelled "fuck." If you didn't know that, but uh, he says that in most of his movies. And Chris Columbus, this being a family movie, asked him instead of that, "Would you be able to say the word fridge?" So every time he freaks out, like when he burns his hand or he gets hit, shot in the nuts, he goes, fridge, 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 fridge. You have to watch it again and you listen and it's very apparent. And I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. So, oh, my God. Yeah, I'm going to start saying fridge for things. And then finally, Macaulay Culkin's stunt double was a very short 30 year old man. And uh, I believe the stunts were falling from Buzz's shelf. The unicycle or the uh, riding on the tightrope thing to the treehouse. I, there might have been like one or two more, but yeah, I'll have to go check. I'll have to go check that again because I feel like maybe I've just got face blindness because this movie this is so near and dear. So I just like completely overlooked it. Yeah, the thirty-year-old man, crazy stuff. Well, <laughs> here is a synopsis. If you have not seen Home Alone, then uh, you can skip this about three and a half minutes. Go ahead and skip it. I'll try to read fast. Here we go. The McAllister family is preparing to spend Christmas in Paris, gathering at Peter and Kate's home in Chicago in a Chicago suburb on the night before their departure. Peter and Kate's youngest son, Kevin, is a subject of ridicule by his older siblings and cousins. Kevin inadvertently ruins the family dinner after a brief scuffle against his oldest brother, Buzz, resulting in Kate sending him up to the attic. Kevin berates his mother for allowing the rest of the family to pick on him and wishes his family would disappear. During the night, heavy winds create a power outage, disabling the alarm clocks and causing the family to oversleep. In the confusion and rush to get to the airport, Kevin is accidentally left behind. Kevin wakes to find the house empty. Thinking that his wish has come true, he is overjoyed with his newfound freedom. Later, Kevin becomes frightened by his next-door neighbor, Old Man Marley, who is rumored by the local children to be a serial killer who murdered his own family. The McAllister home is soon stalked by the wet bandits, Harry and Marv, a pair of burglars who have been breaking into other vacant houses in the neighborhood. Kevin tricks them into thinking that his family is still home, forcing them to postpone their plans to rob the McAllister house. Kate realizes mid-flight that Kevin was left behind, and upon arrival in Paris, the family discovers that all flights for the next two days are booked, and that the phone lines are still down back home in Chicago. 
Peter and the rest of the family stay in his brother's apartment in Paris, while Kate manages to get a flight back to Scranton, Pennsylvania. Scranton, what? The electric city. City? What? <laughs> she attempts to find a flight to Chicago, but all the flights are booked. Kate is overheard by Gus Polinski, the polka king of the Midwest, the polka, lead member polka. of a traveling polka polka band, the Kenosha Kickers, who offers to let her travel with them to Chicago in a moving van. Meanwhile, Harry and Marv finally realize that only Kevin is in the McAllister home, and on Christmas Eve, Kevin overhears them discussing plans to break into the house that night. Kevin starts to miss his family and asks the local Santa Claus impersonator if he could bring his family back for Christmas. <clears throat> he goes to church and watches a choir perform and encounters Marley, who proves the rumors about him are false. Marley points out his granddaughter in the choir and mentions he does not otherwise get to see her since she is the daughter of his estranged son. Kevin suggests to Marley he should reconcile with his son. Kevin returns home and rigs the house with booby traps. Harry and Marv break in, spring the traps, and suffer various injuries. We should be dead, in all honesty. While Harry yeah. and Marv pursue Kevin around the house, he calls the police and lures the duo, duo into a neighboring house, which they had previously broke into. Harry and Marv ambush Kevin and prepare to get their revenge, but Marley intervenes and knocks them unconscious with the snow shovel. The police arrive and arrest Harry and Marv, having identified all the houses they that they broke into due to Marv's destructive habit of flooding them with water. The wet bandits. On Christmas Day... Kevin is initially disappointed to find that his family is still gone. Although Kate arrives home and they reconcile. The rest of the family soon returns after waiting in Paris until they could obtain a direct flight to Chicago. Kevin keeps silent about his encounter with Harry and Marv, although Peter finds Harry's knocked out gold tooth. Kevin then watches Marley returning with his or reuniting with his son, daughter-in-law and granddaughter. Marley notices Kevin and they wave to each other. End of movie. So that is Home Alone, and what a what a film, um, John. How many times have you seen Home Alone? Oh man, it's, I've probably seen this movie at least. I mean, it's playing right now in back in our living room. <laughs> I love it. Uh, uh, but usually, it's at least once, maybe one to four times a year. It's like it's that one, and then a little sprinkling of Home Alone two, and then we don't ignore we we don't acknowledge the other ones. The other we ones, just, you don't. Yeah, yeah. I've oh, seen them. Yeah. I, I've seen them. Oh, man. Yeah. We just don't even them. Yeah, totally. Uh, well, then we'll kick <clears throat> this right off. Have you ever been left alone at home, John? And I want to know if you have what happened and how did you act? So, yeah, I've, I was definitely left uh, alone at home a bunch, usually when I was a kid. I think it was like when I reached like either 11 to 12, I felt like that's when my parents were like comfortable with leaving a kid alone. I remember, you know, just getting pizza. Uh, having pizza delivered, and then I got to watch either Indiana Jones movies on VHS, Jurassic Park, any of the old-time movies. And I remember that old adage, I don't know if your parents did this, of like, now remember, if someone if someone comes to the door or someone calls the landline, uh, just tell them that we're busy or we're in the shower. Um, We didn't really... Oh, no, I'm, I guess I've only been left home alone a few times. I didn't get any of that. I think my parents just didn't really care. Maybe they're quite bohemian about that, but I don't know. I know it's like, I mean, but pretty much, you know, nothing ever really happened except just, you know, little John consumed a ton of pizza and soda and just watched a lot of TV. Little John, like uh, little. Robin Hood. Yeah, no, I mean, pretty much, I, you know, I wasn't really defending my house or, you know, planning <laughs> elaborate traps. At best, I was maybe building Legos. Ooh, Legos are fun. I 
I don't think I've ever really had a, a story to tell for about being left home alone. But I do remember when I was over at my friend Michael Castillo's house, um, we were he was a neighbor and and one of my best friends growing up. And so I stayed at his house for like a weekend because my parents were gone somewhere um, and I was homesick for some reason. So I went over to my house and him and I were just messing around with the door and I had a paper clip. And I used it to break into my door somehow. I to this day, I don't know how I did it, but I was able to break in. And all I did was throw the mail inside. I didn't even <laughs> go inside. I just threw the mail in. Um, that was the extent to my my home aloneness. I, I mean, I've definitely had times when, you know, I was old enough or there was a, a point in my life when my mom thought I was responsible enough to just watch my sister or something like that. And it was just us. And, you know, I felt like a big man because I'm like, yeah, I'm the man of the house. And I'm the man. Yeah, I can watch adult movies. And by adult movies, I mean rated R movies. Rated R. Yeah, with lots of shooting and swearing and taking the Lord's name in vain. That kind of stuff. <laughs> so, yeah, I um, I mean, the the likelihood of, of this happening in real life for this movie of, of, of parents leaving a kid at home like this is is very, very slim. It's, it's very asinine and far fetched, but. That's the whole point. I mean, that's that's the plot of the movie, right? You know, it's like it's like what we always talk about with. Um, uh, oh, my God. What's it called? Pitch meeting. We're like, hey, or, you know, why, hey, why did up. you? Yeah. yeah. Hey, shut up. Why do you do that? Because movie. So, because movie. Yeah, it's great. And Kevin McAllister, I mean, he survives the, the Home Alone incident because he's just he's not an average kid. He's really smart. He's great at clapbacks and he's curious in nature, just as kids should be. The hilarity of this movie, though, it does rely on his resourcefulness uh, when he's being left alone, whereas I would probably wager maybe a normal eight year old wouldn't be able to maintain as well as he did because he just he kicked ass on his own. It was awesome. Oh, God. Do, yeah. Do you think that any other kid could survive this ordeal of being home alone? And would it be plausible for just like a normal eight year old kid to, to do it? You know what? I thought about this so much of like what other kid in the world could probably survive this level of being home alone. And I kept thinking, I was like, maybe Bear Grylls, if he had a kid. <laughs> or like Gordon Ramsay, because yeah, I mean, like he Gor would just Gordon Ramsay's cook kid everything. could cook. And then he would just <laughs> judge you. But otherwise, I just thought I was like, no, no normal eight year old kid. I mean, back in 1990 with no internet to order any food. Or like maybe, I mean, you just survive off pizza. Yeah, I, I it's it's hard because I mean, like, I know that kids, kids are growing up a lot faster these days. I, I look at kids now, like my friends who have their children and they will say these funny things or know, you know, how to use cell phones at the age of six or seven or something. You're like, oh, my God, like I had no idea how to use a cell phone until I was like 15 and so or 12 or something. And so you get a lot of that kind of stuff. And I think the street smarts has grown on them a ton. Um, I know my friend's son was cooking top ramen when he was like nine years old. And I mean, there's no way I would have touched his dope when I was nine. So it's 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 kind of fascinating to me that this eight year old kid can survive it. I, I, I definitely I couldn't. I, I could only have survived it back in the day if it was like Easy Mac. Remember that where it <laughs> yeah. was like two, two yeah. like powdered cheese in the microwave. Gross. I mean, but here he is walking to the grocery store, like asking if the toothbrush is approved by the American Dental Association. <laughs> like a little asshole. I'd be like, oh, I mean, I, if I was at that store, I would just say, yeah, dude, it is. What do you want me to do? Yeah. Make minimum wage. <laughs> so, so Kate and I were watching it now as adults, and I was just like, just say yes and just move the kid along. Seriously, like, he's not going to know. 
Yeah. But but no other kid's going to be, I mean, yeah, it, it's just not plausible. I mean, also, you'd have a neighbor that could easily go over there and get the kid. All right, your son, Rob, let's say he's eight years old. He's going to be eight at a certain point. He'll be uh, eight eventually. Let's say you and Kate just accidentally forgot him at home for some reason because you're too busy, I don't know, eating potato chips or something like that as you're getting ready to leave. And you know you us. Him, you left him at home. What What do you think the first thing that he would do? Oh, the first thing, I mean, now it's like he's going to call you. Or t- he's probably, probably the kids nowadays are probably texting. That's true. And I guess this movie relies on a lot of circumstance and uh, or I guess you could say happenstance because th- that was a perfect storm with the phone lines being down. You know, this only happens in a pre 9-11 world where you can have paper tickets and, and rush to your airplane and just get through. I mean, if this were to happen nowadays, there's no way someone would would have forget their child, even if they were still frazzled. But exactly. Yeah. And you have lo- location devices, all that kind of stuff. And the cops wouldn't be inept. I, I, I couldn't stand that when the police were like, you want us to go check on your son? I'm like, dude, this is Chicago. It's like the third biggest city in the U.S. These cops are going to go show up. And so, they're acting yeah. like she's the a-hole the yeah, entire time. Yeah. You want us to oh, check on your son? Yes. You want us to check on your son? Like, okay, hang on. Please mm-hmm. hold. So you want us to do what? Check on our son. Okay, hang on. Please hold. It's like, just go send somebody over. Yeah. I would have been, man, I would have been bawling my eyes out. There was this time in football practice. Uh, I was around 10 years old. And it was in the fall, so it would get dark a lot sooner. So I think we were done at like 6. Um and everybody it was at our local middle school. I was still in elementary school, but my mom was late picking me up and I all the other kids got picked up. All the coaches left. I was at the middle school by myself. It was pitch black. There was one light on and I was by a payphone and I was like, I don't know where my mom is. This is before I had a cell phone and I was crying. I got on the phone with the operator and I was crying and I like my mom was on her way. She just got stuck with some some work or something like that. And and it sucked. And uh, my coaches instilled a rule after that that they needed to stay with every kid until they got picked up, which they honestly should have been doing to begin with. But should have been doing um, that long ago. I bet. They, yeah. I bet that's now a policy now. It. I mean, it, it has to be. So I was I was very scared. So I would probably be bawling my eyes out if I was home alone without my family. I'd, and I was eight years old. I, I wouldn't know what to do. So did you ever get like did you ever get lost in the store without your parents? Um, I think think so i don't I think so. yeah yeah i don't really remember we used to have a thing called code adam at uh, grocery stores you still do it in retail stores and um it's based oh, off yeah. of uh, adam walsh who john walsh is the guy from um uh, america's most wanted his son oh, yeah. adam was kidnapped years and years and years ago um and so they created code adam and basically what what you do is when a parent says i lost my kid you immediately get on the walkie talkie at target and you say code adam uh, and every team member there stops what they're doing. Even if they're helping a customer, you stop. You're like, hey, I'm really sorry. I have to I have to go do this. And you go and you you, you look for the kid. You give a description. Um, and, oh, wow. you know, you, but you I think there was something that we did. Oh, so we would say. Blonde, blue shirt, something, but we wouldn't say the name because we didn't want like a bad person if they ended up kidnapping them to to go hey are you david or whatever come with me so like that's what we would look for um and anyways yeah we always found kids and it was great and we'd walk into the parents but we did have some times when it got real hairy and we had a, a moment when i was because you ha- it's like after five minutes you have to call the police 
So it got it got to be about five minutes and I was getting ready to call 911. But it turns out the kid was outside in the parking lot. And I'm like, are you kidding? Oh, me? Wow. Yeah. The parent felt really mad because she was she felt like it was her fault. I'm like, well, it kind of was. But also, like, he's in the parking lot. Holy shit. He was looking for her in the parking lot. And I just yeah, he's crying. I felt bad. I, I definitely had that fear. Like, I remember when when Rob is still like in the beginning when he was just starting to play and like he would go out of sight play because that was the thing we were learning about of like, you know, encourage that. It'd be like, what if someone just like, what if I, when I turned a corner, there was one time he, he wasn't there. And I was like, my heart was just beating. And then turns out the little guy's just hiding behind the recycle bin intentionally like, laughing. Like he thinks it's a game. And I was like, oh, that's great. Like, meanwhile, my heart is just bum, 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 bum. <laughs> yeah, it's, I don't know. Man. So I, I can, I can empathize with that parent. It's scary. I wouldn't want that on anybody. That's that's terrifying. So I can imagine Catherine O'Hara, you know, she's just phenomenal in this movie and she's so good in everything she does. But uh, yeah, I mean, she just plays that, you know, mom is like, I think I'm the worst mother. People must think I'm the worst mother in the world. And it's like, well, you said what we're all thinking. So, yeah, yeah. it's, it's kind of like we're, we're not judging, but we're judging. And that piece of shit, Uncle Frank, tragic. <clears throat> It's tragic. Oh, uncle <laughs> Uncle fucking Frank. Wouldn't want to ruin your trip, Mr. Cheapskates, even though that's a second movie, but still like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. OK. Yeah. Ugh. So, well, in, in this movie, it's based on a lot of improbable things, and there are a ton of improbable things that happen throughout the film. I think the largest plot hole and most unbelievable thing out of all the unbelievable things this movie, in my opinion, is the fact that they only ordered one plain cheese pizza for that many goddamn kids. I'm joking, obviously, because kids hate toppings. You you have to if you order for a family and there's a bunch of kids, you got to get a bunch of cheese pizzas. Kids don't like I mean, maybe they like pepperoni. They don't like mushrooms or olives or supreme, any of that kind of stuff. So. The fact that they ordered one cheese pizza is so stupid. Anyways, I thought that part was ridiculous. But then it made me think about other plot holes that are that are in this film. And sure, with a movie like this, it has to be a perfect storm for it to happen. And I can suspend disbelief. But there were a lot of plot holes. What other plot holes, John, did you notice in this movie that you kind of wanted to discuss? Okay, so like as we were watching it again for prep for this, even before you'd sent me the question, when they talked about, like, you ordered one pizza, I was like, who does this for, like, it's what, at least 14 to 18 people? Who yeah, orders yeah. one cheese? Yeah, it, it, it's like, that's that's what I mean. Yeah, like, there better be a lot of pepperoni and those kids better love, or sausage. Like, a lot of kids like just sausage yeah, some, and cheese. some people like sausage and cheese. Yeah, but, like, most kids don't like olives or onions or, like, he even says it. He's like, he, you know, I, he knows I doesn't like, ugh, he knows I don't like sausage or onions or peppers or whatever. So it's, oh. it's just, it's, it's fascinating to me because even if you have people, like, when I eat pizza with people and I don't, I don't eat meat, um, I rarely eat meat, I should say, but like I typically don't eat meat. And if I go somewhere and there's pizza, there's always cheese because I'm like, sweet, I'll have a slice of cheese pizza. I go to Costco, get a slice of cheese pizza, right? Oh, so the Costco like, pizza. Oh my God. It's so unhealthy, but it's so good. And every time I go to Costco, I'm like, dollar ninety nine. I'm like, $1.99. $1.99. And then you, and then you look at the calories and it's like seven hundred and fifty for yeah. one slice. I know. It's it's terrible, but I mean, if I'm like, eh, this is my lunch and dinner, I'm doing it. So exactly. I don't know. But yeah, it's I, I think that that's that's kind of ridiculous. But what are the plot holes are, did you find throughout this film? Oh, OK. So first off, OK, so looking at my notes, the other plot holes, uh, the main one that stands out to me is just 
why didn't Kevin's mom, why didn't Catherine O'Hare just call? Why didn't she just call the main line? Because you would obviously know your home phone number, as we all did back in the home phone, the home landline era days. I still remember my my home phone number and then like three phone numbers from like my childhood friends growing up. Mm-hmm. So why not ju- why not just call? Call so the, Kevin. The phones were down, remember? Because when they left, oh my when, gosh, when they left yeah. the house. He's like, "Hey, the phone lines are going to be down for for the next couple of days," which was a uh, we thought it was kind of a throwaway part, but it ended up being a big part because you're like, "Oh, that's why." Because and that's why she calls the police. She's like, "You know, I can't call the house because the phone lines are still down," which is crazy that the electricity can come back on, but the phone lines couldn't come back on. I mean, I don't know. I, I walked right that, in. So. I walked right into that. My own plot hole. I, no, I totally, I've right. seen the movie enough times to know that. Yeah, because I remember that guy that, and then she's like, yeah, sure. Whatever. As they just leave. Mm-hmm. Well, and I mean, again, if this movie were remade in, you know, uh, 2000 or the nineties, you have a cell phone in 2000, you know, you can just text and be like, Hey, sorry, we forgot you at home. LOL. YOLO. Yeah, LM, LMFAO or something like that. Um, and so it, it would definitely change things quite a bit. But yeah, what I else? don't I don't I don't think you could remake this now with with all the technology. It would just be no. too it'd be too easy. Hey, Kevin, I'm home alone. OK, sounds great. OK, um, here's DoorDash. Um, one of one of my favorite uh, things out there was there was an idea that someone was like they should remake Home Alone. Um, get you can get new actors and stuff like that, but put it in the nineties and get Macaulay Culkin as he is now, but everyone treats him like he's eight years old. So the, the entire film, he, so he's a 40 year old man or whatever now, but like he is acting like an eight year old and everybody treats him like an eight year old. And I was like, that would be an amazing movie. I would, okay, I, I would watch all, that yeah. film. Oh my God. Would, in a heartbeat. I would watch that film. Yeah. All right. My second, the second plot hole is obviously, um, it's another obvious one. We'll see if I walk into the rake on this one. It's where it's, you know, I understand you have to suspend some disbelief, but it's like Harry and Marv would have suffered serious injuries, if also not uh, near fatal injuries. Oh, yeah. hundred um, percent. I mean, the paint cans of the face wasn't there. I thought there was like a sponsored YouTube video where it was either Mythbusters or somebody. I forget the I forget who did it, where they they reenacted the gel. Uh, with like oh a, <laughs> yeah, uh, they they did the paint can to the face and they showed uh, via like a ballistic gel like the dummies how mm-hmm. much damage it would do and it pretty much just broke the entire front portion of the skull and like they determined that it would have killed you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was mean, definitely uh, MythBusters. I remember that. I, it was Myth. Okay, I mean, yeah. I, I understand it's a holiday movie, so you got to suspend your second degree murder uh, disbelief. <laughs> yeah. But I mean. Uh, I mean, that's another plot hole, another mm-hmm. one. And then it's like, and then I go to like my tiny minor ones. Like, uh, I never thought about it again until like a recent rewatch. And I was an adult. It's like when the pizza delivery guy drops off the pizza and then the, you know, he, he plays the video of the gunshots. Why didn't he go and call the cops? Yeah, exactly. I think about that one a lot. I'm like, so he's just going to run away and like not tell little Nero's and they're not going to be like, Hey, he just shot at my employees. So yeah. Yeah, no biggie. Uh, hey, Tommy, uh, you got another delivery. Come on. Pizza yeah. coming out. Yeah. That one. And then lastly, it's just, it's where it seems like it's too much house for Kevin, way Buzz, too much house. and Linny. But I'll scroll down to my notes. Uh, so down at the bottom, because I, I Googled, I was like, how many kids? I was like, there's only three children. No, they and have five. They I have think. five. And because yeah. I was like, that is way too big of a house. 
So it's still, that was it's my... still quite big for seven people. It's 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 gigantic. Oh gosh, yeah. I, I mean, it just seemed like too much house, and I was like, really? Mm-hmm. So like, okay, so like that are like my my tiny nitpicky ones. Like, what are yours? So, um, just briefly going through them. So I don't like every single person slept in, and and so I understand the plot was you know we slept in like you know the alarm clock went <clears> out and everything, but. You have a house of 15 people or whatever, guaranteed, and kids wake up early, parents wake up early. I mean, I wake yes, up at 6, 6.30 every day just because that's what my internal clock is, and there's no way in hell all these people would sleep in, even if there was a thunderstorm. So, I mean, whatever, understand that it, it's plot driven, but I just, I, that was a, a picky nit. Uh, Kevin never would have made it out of the door on the sled due to the position of the door in relation to the stairs. So when he takes the toboggan sled oh. down the stairs, if you look again, the door is askewed to the left. There's no way he would have made that. He would have ran right into the wall Um impractical just crazy uh the police would never do that they would never say oh you want us to go check on your son like you know we were talking about that they would be like oh absolutely yes we'll send someone right away right um and we'll send someone from social services or something because you're yeah, a terrible because your so. <laughs> your kids are going to be taken away from you absolutely um so for how smart kevin is why wouldn't he get a ladder to get buzz's money i hate that he climbs on the shelf and those shelves do not look stable. And it, and as an adult, they make me very anxious when I see it because I'm like, those are terrible shelves. Um, gigantic, beautiful house. And you have these piece of shit like Walmart shelves. Come on now. So they look like I, wish shelves from wish wish <laughs> wish dot com. Um, and then also no way in hell is Catherine O'Hara riding in a van with seven strange men. I don't care if you're the Polka King from New York City. Uh, you're not jumping in a van with seven strange men and blowing on their their clarinets, if you know what I mean. So I think that's a little that was a little too uh, forgiving. But we could pick apart this movie forever. We don't want to do that, though, because this is still a fantastic holiday. It's still film. perfect. Absolutely. Uh, they were just things that we noticed and I, I thought were very funny. So, uh, but throughout the movie, we do see Kevin's metaphor- metamorphosis of a helpless and scared child to someone who's ready to take on further responsibilities that can come to us in life. At what point, John, in your life, did you realize that it was time for you to grow up? I thought like the main time that sticks out like really to me was when uh, I came back home uh, just to help my mom take care of my dad after he had suffered a minor stroke. Uh, it was kind of that time where I learned it was, you know, hey, it's time to, you know, help out in a more serious capacity, um, you know, del- delving with, you know, serious adult topics. I mean, but you know me and I still try to have like as much immature fun wherever possible because <laughs> li- life is just like too short to be serious and just by the letter 24 seven. What about you? Um, it, it's, it's, it was tough. Cause I can't really think of exactly when, I mean, I, I was probably 15 when I did my first load of laundry. I mean, my mom always did our laundry and I'd see her do it. So I had a general idea, you know, you put the detergent in, you turn the knob and then you throw it in the dryer when you're done. I didn't know about whites and colors and uh, laundry, not people, um, <laughs> anything like that. <laughs> Better uh, to clarify that right now. Yeah. Using bleach or, or, or whatever, using fabric softener. I, I mean, I didn't know any of that stuff. I, it, it grew on time through time with me, right? Because I just kind of had to. Um, also, 15 was around the same time I got my first job when I really needed to kind of start 
you know, figuring things out on my own and being like, oh, okay, I'm allowed to do this and I don't need my my mom or my dad to help me with it. Um, I hit puberty at about 12 years old, but I don't really feel like I was anywhere near having an adult mindset. I was still a teenager for sure. Um, and even freshman year, I didn't really feel that I was in a position where I was ready to grow up. But it's funny because I, I, I remember eight years old being the point in my life that were my formative years where I can recall everything. So if someone says, hey, do you remember your fondest memory as a kid? I usually say, oh, yeah, when I was eight years old, I did this. I don't know if that's accurate. I just for some reason use eight years old as that reference point. And I think that's probably when I was really starting to get into things. That's like second or third grade. So I could, st I mean, I could tell you about third grade right now and fourth grade. I couldn't tell you about first grade. I could barely tell you about second grade. So I think it's around eight years old. See, that makes more sense. I know. I I definitely thought like in listening to your response, it was definitely, uh, I mean, maybe it was earlier. I, I just, that one just stood out the most to me, maybe from an adult, adult standpoint. But I remember my mom constantly <clears throat> bringing me into the laundry room again when she was like, you're going to need to know how to do this later yeah. in life. You know, uh, there's times I still forget how to accurately uh, sort the, the whites and the colors. Again, the laundry. But it's, it's also like, you know, sometimes it's like, okay, which one does this technically fall under for the, the with laundry? Yeah, but no, you're absolutely right. It kind of sounds like, you know, that not eight to nine, eight, nine, ten formative years. And I remember I also got a job uh, when I was 15 because I remember my uh, I wanted a cell phone and my mom was saying, well, you know, the pool is hiring, so might as well go get a job. And I became a lifeguard then at 15 and a half. Nice. I was yeah. getting I was getting twelve dollars an hour. I was pumped. Ooh, that's a lot of money. That's way more money than I made when I was that old. So, yeah, I think I think that there are moments and I was having this discussion the other day. Uh, there are moments that I, I, I'm like, when did I first know how to pay a bill or when did I how did I learn how to how to balance a checkbook or how to hang a picture on a wall or do little mundane things that you're like, oh, yeah, I guess I kind of have to figure this out now. Thank God for YouTube, because if there were no YouTube, I would be having to figure out, you know, how to change my headlight on my Jeep Cherokee. I don't have a Jeep Cherokee anymore. I got a Subaru. But I mean, you know, I would go to YouTube first thing and to figure that shit out. And before that, I mean, I guess what? Ask Jeeves. And then you get some results. Oh, so. Ask Jeeves. <laughs> oh, man. Like, yeah, YouTube with how to tie a tie. If you ever forget yeah, to tie a certain one. Exactly. I'm great how to tie ties now. How to blank. There's like, was isn't there like a YouTuber like, dad it's like a dad youtuber yeah yeah he's great I, I forgot his name but yeah he's like how to dad or something it's and... like yeah how to dad he does you all the mundane stuff of like how to change a socket how to or how to change a an outlet yeah so cool i like that youtube channel a lot um so we were talking about the sequels briefly because this movie has uh, home alone home alone 2 home alone 3 i think there's a home alone 4 out there i could be wrong you're there right is, and then there is a terrible home sweet home alone that came out uh last year so have you seen any of the sequels what did you think of them and how much longer could you draw this film series out okay so yeah you're absolutely right there is there's four and then i had to look it up <clears throat> there's one that went like i think just straight to video of like home alone heist and it, oh, it's boy. definitely but uh i've seen i've seen one two and three 
And then I've seen like 20 minutes of that home sweet home alone. Oh. And I just had to shut it off. It was unbearable. It's terrible. It is. It's absolutely terrible. I was with you on that. I was like, I think I want to turn this movie off, but I, I just don't do that. So I, I endured and you I endured really it. Mad, I, I really I mad had, at myself. Oh, I shot. I was like, this is so cringy. It was just, it, it almost felt like it was just written by a computer. Cause it just had no heart, no soul nothing into it yeah um uh i mean i like home alone too i'll also argue it does have some endearing moments um the the whole the pigeon lady definitely like it's great that kevin can change and accept somebody that he doesn't know that he doesn't see as a you know somebody who's down in their luck they Mm -hmm. have you know redeeming qualities uh home alone three is completely forgettable i was saying the only th- I just watched it last week because we just had them playing on Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. Couldn't tell you a thing. Couldn't tell you what it was about for a million dollars. The only thing I could tell you about was that Scarlett Johansson's in it. She is. Yeah, she's the sister. I could I could tell you a lot about Home Alone Three. I actually... I totally forgot she was the sister. I, did, yeah. I, I It's like it's that bad. It's like okay. I didn't mind it as much. I think Home Alone Three. It's it was bad, but it it has this like kind of quality to it where. I've seen it a good amount of times, honestly. And I mean, it's the same beats as, as the first, you know, first movie. Um, I like what they're kind of doing with it and the four different robbers and the whole RC car thing. Obviously, there are a lot of plot holes with it, but it, it works out decently well because he's he's at home sick, which makes sense, right? Like, you know, that's not them leaving. Like the mom has to run into office. And so she's like, are you going to be OK? And it's like, yeah, I'm just going to sleep and watch TV. And that that makes sense to a certain that's point, more plausible. But yeah. So I didn't actually mind Home Alone three with time. But yeah, I haven't seen four. Haven't seen five. And Home Alone Home Sweet Home Alone was terrible. It is. It needs to be burned. It is terrible. It's, so it's, it's it's maybe I'll have to go give three another chance just to. Oh, also, isn't there that like it's that Russian guy or the not, he may not be Russian, but he's always typecast as a Russian antagonist. in uh, Home Alone three. No, they're all like French. He's French. I know that. And then, Oh, is he French? Yeah. Then there's an American girl, two American, no, three Americans and a French. The, the leader is he's yeah, he is. Oh, it's, it's, it's Alexander Krupa. He always plays. Oh, uh, he always plays, you know, bad guys. He was in. Oh, he was in Behind Enemy Lines. He was in the. Oh, he's he's the guy who uh, is going to kill Edward Norton in the Italian job. Oh, remember that guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking that, about. But he's always typecast as that guy. Uh, Russian space station. Is it Russian space station? You that's must a different always... guy. That's, Peter that's, that's a different. That's Peter Stormare. Yeah, he's fantastic. So, but yes, I, the, the Home Alone series is fascinating. Like you, I mean, I, I don't know how much more they can stretch out of this IP. No, exactly. This IP has a very finite amount. And I think it honestly should have been done at one and two. But maybe I'll go give three a, a second try. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just there's times where you just need to let sequels end. And I feel mm-hmm. like Hollywood has this tendency now where it's like we got to milk it for all it's worth, no matter how bad it is. No matter how uh, different angles we could do it, you know, I'm looking at you, Lion King live remake, <laughs> quote, quote unquote live remake. That's uh, so stupid. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, it's also it just seems really irresponsible for the parents just to keep leaving their kid behind. I know. That's they're running out of ideas now. And I mean, that's why Home Sweet Home Alone just doesn't work, because in this in this age, day and age, you can't really think of a a good enough plot for that to be reasonable. Um, it's it, it, it's stupid. I mean, there are so many moments in Home Sweet Home Alone where they say, oh, we got to get the little fat boy. And they're talking about a doll and the kid thinks it's them. And during the whole ordeal, they the the quote unquote robbers who are actually not bad people, technically, they could have easily said, hey, kid, we're actually just trying to get this doll that you took from us. We're not here to hurt you. But instead, it's just all this craziness. It's so stupid. So stupid. See, so, I don't I don't know anything about that movie. So, yeah, I'll just trust uh, that it's bad. I'm angry that I had to think about it again, but I wrote the question. <laughs> so that's on me. That's but, on you. But moving on, so I believe, well, I don't believe this. You and I were discussing this at a little Friendsgiving we had a a little while ago, and there are a ton of amazing fan theories out there that have been created over the years after countless viewings of Home Alone. Um, They're amazing. Uh, If you don't know, then you don't know, and it's incredible. Um, but here are some of them. And I think, you know, there's a list screenrant.com has 10 of them and we'll go through them and I'll read some quick stuff and we can kind of like briefly discuss them. But these are all theories that have come from home alone. So number one, Kevin's dad, Peter McAllister, the father is a, (laughs) he's a gang leader. So he's in the mafia and this makes according, according to screen rant, this makes a lot of sense as well. The family is shown to be rich, affording a nice house in a pretty high class neighborhood and able to afford plane tickets to France for the whole family. Yet no method of their income is told. But when Harry disguised as a police officer comes, the first thing we see is a very perplexed mood of Peter. And the and the first question he asks is, am I under arrest? fascinating a very weird and unorthodox guilty conscience (laughs) exactly very unorthodox reaction to a simple police visit leads to the internet leads the internet users to believe that peter is in fact a gang leader which could explain his large income this one's totally plausible this one i i will believe now as an adult till the cows come home yeah i agree he he is real cagey he has a lot of money and it's like how is he plus he looks like kind of like a snake he doesn't really look like a good dad. He, he, just kinda looks, he looks like the snaky. bookie. He he would be the accountant for the mob. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, yeah. He's 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 the one that you go pay. He's the worm. So he's the Ben Affleck. There you. He's go. the accountant, and he shoots people from far away. Pew pew. <laughs> Theory number two: Uncle Frank is the real villain. Uncle Frank is very prominently shown to have a natural hatred for Kevin and jealousy of his brother's income. Therefore, some have speculated that Uncle Frank may have <coughs> hired Harry and Marv to rob the house and make Kevin the prime suspect as he was the only one alone in the house, and a kid making the crime that much more believable. Some even believe that Uncle Frank hired the wet bandits to take care of Kevin and that him being left behind was all part of his elaborate plan. They just were redundant in that. His greed and visibly prominent twisted personality in the movies make this theory very palpable and probable once gone into detail. I don't know if I agree with this very much because he didn't that's a lot to pull off to try to leave Kevin at home. He's a dick, but I don't think he hired them. Yeah, th- this one's not plausible for me because the only thing th- there's two things that Uncle Frank is guilty of. He's just guilty of being a dick to Kevin, and also he's just guilty of being super cheap. Like there was actually it, it, again, there was a little detail um on the rewatch. Uh it was a comment from Kevin's dad during that dinner scene at the beginning when they're talking about who should pay for the pizzas. 
So Uncle Frank says, you know, he does the, oh, I can't because all of my money's in traveler's checks. And then Kevin's dad mutters uh, in passing, probably got the ones that aren't going to work in Paris either. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, Kevin, uh, Uncle Frank is just a cheap piece of shit. Yeah, he is. I, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think it's plausible. Honestly, it's just it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's quite a stretch. Theory number three, Kevin's father hates him. Again, going to the family, this theory proposes that Peter McAllister shares no bond or loving relationship with his son, Kevin, rather seeks to somehow get rid of him. Their rare interactions in all movies of the series start with Peter scolding Kevin, and the second movie, Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, starts with Peter very suspiciously leaving Kevin behind on purpose in the airport. These scenarios in the movies further form as evidence to the extremely probable theory, which is now not as far-fetched as it would seem at first glance. And I kind of noticed this when I was watching Home Alone 2 the other night, that I'm sorry, I mean, I don't have any kids that I know of, but if I had a child, and even if we're still late for the airport, I would not be running in front of him. I would grab his hand or I would pick him up and we would be running together. There's no way in hell that I would leave that kid behind. And Kevin or Peter just kind of starts bolting with the rest of the family and knows Kevin's behind him. So that's that is is where I can kind of slightly agree with this that maybe he hates his son, but I don't I, I don't know. That's still kind of a stretch. <clears throat> see, I see I felt like it was kind of a stretch. I also felt like this whole theory is being propped up based on that scene from Home Alone 2. And I feel that, you know, I definitely get it. You know, things are super stressed. I mean, also, this is all on the McAllister's fault. Why are you guys packing the night before an international flight around exactly. Christmas? Exactly. Yeah. Why aren't you like, I don't know about you, but like when I have a trip going even before kids, like I was packed at least two days prior so that on the final night you can do that. Oh shit. I forgot this and just toss it in. Yep. Not let me, but it seemed like all 20 kids or however many people were in that house. Nobody packed. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. There's no way in hell. I think it's, it's, ridiculous so yeah this this one is, is more of a stretch i can see merit in it but it, i think it's a stretch yeah it's a stretch it, it has more merit than the whole uncle frank order to hit absolutely number four old man marley is kevin but from the future marley was actually very important to the story he saved kevin when he was about to be killed by harry and marv very deus ex machina he enabled him to come to friendly terms with his family and much more but all of this seems too good to be true some fans suggest that Old Man Marley is actually Kevin from the future, and that is why he is able to help Kevin uh, ever so easily. Because he had family issues himself in the future caused by the events of the film, and wanted to prevent this Kevin from developing a gap between his family and save himself from the disadvantages of losing a family just like he had. Um, I like this one. I'm not opposed to it. Um, I, th this one... Yeah. Uh, I like this one. It, it, it's a fun chuckle, but it, it, I also like to see, I think the way I like to see Marley is that it's someone who's nice in his core, but just blatantly misunderstood kind of like Kevin where yeah. Kevin learns that he's just an average guy just trying to, you know, live his life and he's not perfect like Kevin, but he understands that there's still good in him. Right. Yeah. I, um, I agree with that. It's, I, I think that is fascinating. I like the take on it, but I don't know. We'll see. Uh, number five, the McAllisters are a cult. Isn't it weird to have such a large family live under one house who are taught to ignore the outside world and since childhood have developed a hate for non-McAllister members as going too far as to accuse them of murder, as Buzz did with Marley, urging his family to stay away from Marley altogether. 
with fearing even Harry dressed up as a cop and the pizza delivery guy and having shown to have no friends outside their family. The McAllisters might just be a cult. I think that's stupid. I, I think this one's I think this one's dumb and I don't like it. Yeah. Moving on well, then. Moving on. <laughs> Yeah, so, oh, here's a good one. Number six, Kevin is dead. Possibly one of the darkest <laughs> theories in the list. Uh, this theory suggests that Kevin is actually dead and in the form of a ghost and is terrorizing his family by putting toy cars under their paths and causing mayhem. Uh, furthermore, many members of his family call him a disease and the only troublemaking child out of 15. Kate also seems very perplexed when Gus brings up that he left his child in a funeral parlor for, for a whole day, signaling maybe her son is also in a grave, possibly nearby. I don't like that one either. I don't like this one. This one's dumb. Yeah, that one doesn't have much merit. No, it doesn't hold water at all. <laughs> Number seven, Peter McAllister is training secret agents. Oh, my God. <laughs> Peter Peter McAllister is pretty shady. Uh, he is unaffected when Kevin is physically and emotionally tortured by his cousins and siblings. Not to mention that he has already trained Buzz to be rather antisocial and violent. This theory states that he has orchestrated the whole break-in to make sure Kevin knows how to survive and did it a second time to make sure the first time wasn't a fluke. This was in order to ensure that he was capable of being inducted into his agent program. This theory is very dark and far-fetched, but it just might work. Uh, what are your thoughts? <laughs> nah, nah, this one doesn't hold water, but I do like the spin-off of Agent McAllister. Agent McAllister. The father. The father. <laughs> you got it. You got it. <laughs> Number eight, Buzz is a psychopath. Uh, Buzz hates his brother, owns a gun, pets a spider. Pets a spider. He has a spider as a pet. And doesn't show members of his <laughs> own family any sort of love or affection. He was completely unfazed by Kevin being left alone to fend for himself and die. And also when the family was separated again in the sequel. He purposely ate all of Kevin's pizza and convinces him that old man Marley is a serial killer. It is clear that both of these actions were done with the sole goal of upsetting the child. Buzz, in conclusion, is unlike other kids and might actually be a legitimate psychopath. I don't think so. I think that that is just a sibling being a sibling. Exactly. I think it's just sibling rivalry. Also, you know, this one breaks down because also in Home Alone 2, Buzz is definitely much more caring for Kevin. Yeah, I would say so. I definitely would say so. But I, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't agree with that very much. Um, oh, is this number nine? This might be ten. Well, maybe they skipped one or maybe I skipped one. So this one is fun. Kevin is the jigsaw killer from Saw. In the first film, Kevin shows an aptitude for the grim and dark world of torture. These traps are elaborate and impressive and only get more intense as the series continues. Some fans believe that these traps are quite similar to those of the Saw series which has led some fans to wonder if Kevin grows up into being Jigsaw in his adult life. Maybe taking down the Wet Bandits gave him a taste for blood and he decided to spend his adult years playing God on his own terms. What do you think? Uh, this one is, I know you and I discussed this at our Friendsgiving, but this theory is just the most plausible and also just fun to be like, yeah, he totally is. Look at that plan. Did, could you at an eight-year-old plan a home defense and an escape route to get out should things get wrong or should should things go sideways. Mm -hmm. I love it. To it yeah. I, I like this one. This is my yeah. most favorite theory. I think between the mobster, uh, his dad being a mobster and this one, those are the two best ones that I think that hold the most water. Oh, exactly. So, yeah, that's that's pretty good. And, and it does make me think of Saw. The only reason I watched the Saw series, honestly, were to get to see how elaborate the traps were. And then they just started getting gross to be gross. And I'm like, eh, that's dumb. I don't really yeah, like saw, that. Saw 1, Saw 2 are kind of... Oh, absolutely. Your, yeah. It's your nice base. to see how, how Kevin progressed. Yeah, your baseline. Yeah, it was great. All right. Well, we are, we are coming down to the final question. 
So Home Alone is definitely a Christmas movie. There seems to be plenty of discussion around there about how to define and categorize a Christmas film. What is your criteria, John? Okay, so first off, I'll just say Home Alone's a Christmas movie, and I will die on this hill uh, for anybody that doesn't seem that doesn't say that. Uh, secondly, I've got uh, wait, Home Alone. Home Alone is yeah. definitely a Christmas movie. No, no, no. Home Alone's for sure. But if there's some people who were like, "Well, I don't know," it's more of like you know, it's just it's just this kind of movie. I was like, it's "No, a you're wrong." <laughs> it's a family. It's like you're wrong, and I don't have I don't oh, have the time 100%. to tell you that you're wrong. Yeah. Um, for me, it's like there's two main criteria for whether or not it's going to be a Christmas movie. Uh, like like you and I have discussed probably in the past, like it has to take place around Christmas time. And I also feel that the plot also uh, and these two, it's not if uh, they don't both have to agree that it's one or the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, the plot has to directly be affected yeah. uh, by the fact that it's occurring around Christmas time. Like, for example, um, I know that people. Uh, People argue about Die Hard. You know, Die Hard's not really a Christmas movie. It could happen any other time in the season, and it wouldn't matter. Uh, that's wrong. Uh, because, you know, Hans Gruber's whole plan is based on Nakatomi Plaza being uh, almost empty due to Christmas, and therefore less guards are going to be there, and the only people that are going to be in the building are the people partying. Um, as for Lethal Weapon, I know people argue about Lethal Weapon being a, a holiday movie or a Christmas movie or not. Um, but I mean, again, with the whole premise of shift the timeline, that whole movie can happen any other time. I would say with Le- in Lethal Weapons defense, the opening credits are literally Jingle Bell Rock, first yeah. and foremost. <laughs> yeah. Um, additionally, like throughout the film, you see Riggs suffering from, you know, suicidal thoughts. And uh, Murtos uh, has, you know, he mentions that one scene of, you know, people get suicidal around the silly season, you know, the holiday season with the loss of uh, Riggs, uh, Riggs's wife. Uh, Mel Gibson. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end also, I feel like Lethal Weapon on the down low is about, you know, Riggs going on a personal journey to realize that life is still worth it mm-hmm. via, via finding a second family. You know, there's a redemption arc in that. Yeah. I, I don't know. What, what about you? Like, what are your Christmas movie criteria? Yeah, I think those are good. But you said in, in along the same lines, I think, you know, I have three criteria that can categorize any type of Christmas film or any movie that makes it a Christmas film. And I think first and foremost, the film needs to take place during Christmas and it needs to be crucial to the to the film. So just like what you were saying, you know, that has to be crucial to the film. And if the plot's not driven by it, then it, it just doesn't work. Um, this it takes place during Christmas. Um, it, it's important to the plot. You know, they're going away because it's Christmas. It's the same thing why Die Hard is a Christmas movie, because they go to like you're saying, they go to Nakatomi Tower during a Christmas party. Sure, you could say that it's uh, the 4th of July and they're having a 4th of July party, but that's weird. Who has that? Uh, and, and the buildings closed down and everyone shows up. Everyone knows the office Christmas party is that trope that has been there, right? People don't have Thanksgiving parties. They don't have Valentine's Day parties. The Christmas party is where you have a cathartic experience and inhibitions get let loose and people are banging in the bathroom and all that kind of fun stuff. And the tower gets taken over by terrorists. So what doesn't happen at a Christmas party? Exactly. Number two, the film must have Christmas or some iteration of Christmas in the title. So Christmas with the cranks last Christmas, um, movies like that. Uh, I think that a nightmare before Christmas, it needs to have it in the title because there's no skirting around that. 
a nightmare before Christmas is a great example. And I had this conversation on the top five podcast. Is it a Halloween film or is it a Christmas film? And I think it's both. I think um, it's both too. Yeah. But, but it definitely is Christmas film because it has Christmas in the title and that's a big focus throughout the movie. Finally, third, I would say the film must be a movie that you predominantly watch during the Christmas time. So the holidays month of December, if it's a movie that you that you predominantly watch during this time, then I consider that a Christmas movie. Now, to clarify, again, all three of these criteria don't need to be met to make it a Christmas movie. But these are three criteria that if it abundantly is clear that one of these is true, then you're good to go, honestly. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's up for discussion. And I do want to ask you your thoughts on this. Like, are there certain movies that you don't think are Christmas movies? So I'm, I'm, I'm thinking like Die Hard, Harry Potter, The Holiday. What are what are some ones that you may not consider a Christmas movie? No, I mean, so as I so, you know, furiously defended Die Hard and I will. My, my fondest memory is also like our families on Christmas, uh, either Christmas Eve, watching Die Hard. Uh, you know, you always scroll through the movie and then you always come back to that movie. You knew you were going to watch eventually. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, Die Hard, I will defend. Uh, Harry Potter, I'll defend because it's also um, it does play a little important part of the movie. I think Harry Potter, may, one could argue maybe it's not so uh, maybe not all of the Harry Potters could quote unquote be a Christmas movie. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But I definitely feel that Harry Potter, like one through four, definitely have Christmas as important plot points. Mm-hmm. Um, the holiday, I haven't seen the holiday in a long enough time to really weigh in on that one. But I mean, it has holiday in the title and it does take place in the snow. I don't know. What about you? I love I love the holiday. I think it's a great movie. I think that's definitely a Christmas movie. I mean, it happens during Christmas. You know, the holiday is they, a vacation. That's what they say. Vacation in in, uh, in England. But um, it is there is Christmas time in it. And I think that, you know, I watched that movie during the ho- during the holidays, during Christmas time for me in December. Um, so I would definitely consider that Harry Potter. I will fight tooth and nail that those are Christmas movies. Uh, Christmas is in every film, especially the books, and it's all integral to the part. Um, I need to research exactly more what maybe five through eight are in, in the sense of how Christmas drives the plot for that. But like, you know, he gets the invisibility cloak in, in the first one, and that's a very important part throughout all the films. All oh, so, seven or all eight. Yeah, and Christmas, the holiday itself oh, at Hogwarts always drives the story because the kids either go home and, and there's a certain revelation or there's um, a maturation uh, that they that they go through or something happens. And so I think they're very important. Also, I, well, before they were readily available streaming, I would watch the Harry Potter movies during Christmas time. And that's, to me, that's what it was. I do know people that can consider the Lord of the Rings Christmas films. Now that one's harder for me. I love the Lord of the Rings. I, I, love, I too yeah. love Lord of the Rings. How? How? How would it's, you defend? It's the tradition of watching it during the holidays. Okay, so I would then define that more as a tr- that's a tradition. Mm-hmm. But but then at the end, if you're watching it around the Christmas time and it brings your family together, who who who, are, who am I to judge? Yeah, it's yeah, it's just you, um, you may be you may be wrong, but I won't judge. Mm-hmm. It's tough. It's definitely tough. But I think that I for me, the Lord of the Rings are not Christmas films. But I mean, it's also 
if you can defend it and say that I only watch it during Christmas and it's a tradition for me, I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. I think at the end of the day, that's what it kind of comes down to is I'm not going to tell someone they're wrong for, for thinking yeah. it's a Christmas movie. I mean, I remember uh, like with the Star Wars, because I grew up a big Star Wars fan with my family, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> despite my dad being a Star Trek fan, mm-hmm. uh, we would we would all go see when the remasters came out. Mm. Um, or sorry, w- yeah, when the when the remasters or the prequels and then the Skywalker sequels came out, we mm-hmm. went and watched those at Christmas time. I wouldn't say that's a Christmas. We that's when the whole family was together. I wouldn't say that's a Christmas movie. It was something that we just did around Christmas time. Right. But like you said, I'm not going to tell someone they're wrong. Uh, I'll just have my own personal opinion. But I wouldn't classify Lord of the Rings and Star Wars um, a Christmas movie. Yeah. I mean, and yeah, that's a great example too. Star Wars. I mean, some people it's a a tradition for them. So I think, I think, you know, mine, the third criteria I have, it's kind of a two, two B because uh, I I think it needs to be in conjunction with the other two criteria on it. But I mean, if you can set a good argument for me, then I wouldn't argue against it. Um, I mean, Star Wars, if, if if you do look at it, they did have a holiday special for it. <laughs> so there's oh, that, that. But infamous holiday special. Yeah. So otherwise, <laughs> I don't know. But I, I do believe that those are probably my my best criteria for what would make a I like those criteria. Film. I feel like those are I mean, that it sort of encompasses everything and also allows room like wiggle room. Yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, well, that is all I have on Home Alone. And uh, it was a good discussion. I love it. Um, let's get your hottest take. I want you to defend uh, your hottest take uh, or more, more, most controversial take on this movie, on movies of this genre, of this era, of actors from it, whatever. Go ahead. Oh, oh, this one, this one's tough because I think there's just nothing to defend on this. I think this movie is just a great, it holds water and it just stands the test of time. I've seen it so many times and each year it's just like you you wipe your memory from it and it's just perfect to watch it all over again. I would say, I mean, if I had to pick something, um, I I love uh, Joe Pesci, and I'm blanking on who plays um, who plays Marv. Uh, Daniel Stern. Daniel Stern. I'm like, they, they're perfectly cast, and also they would have gotten away with it too if it weren't for the whole uh, Wet Bandits uh, calling card. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, that, that, that's all I really have it. is that it's just <laughs> if it weren't for you, damn this kids. movie's just a nice. <laughs> It's just it's just a great defend your house around the Christmas time. There you go. It's like a blueprint for for, you know, for my kids. I'm just going to say, hey, I'm going to leave you home alone. But you've seen Home Alone. So, you know, what you've seen its movie. So, you know how to survive. Go It's that that Homer Simpson joke. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would say my hottest take is John Candy, uh, albeit he was only in it for maybe like five to to ten minutes. Uh, Lost him way too soon. Forty three years old when he died of a heart attack. He was unbelievably hilarious and an amazing actor. And I was so upset that we lost him because he just was, he was such a gem and such a treat on screen and he made every movie better. So my, my hot take is John Candy was that X factor for every film that just made it that much better. And if, if they had somebody else playing Gus Polinsky for this one, I, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have appreciated as much as John Candy. Um, I, I I miss that man immensely. Think about him all the time. He was hilarious in everything he does and uh, very tragic that he died so young. 
I, I, I like that take. I feel, th- thinking back on it, it's like he has this heartwarming and caring and yet just X-Factor comedy level that we probably won't see again. I mean, mm-hmm. planes, trains, and automobiles. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's a fantastic movie. I poka, love that one. Poka. Poka, poka. Yeah, planes, trains, and automobiles is great. I always, I quote that one a lot. I'm always like, they're light because they're filled, they're filled with air. When he's, selling, when he's selling all the shower rings to people as like, <laughs> earrings and stuff. It's just ridiculous. Like, it shouldn't even be a thing. But he is so great, and I sure do miss him immensely. But yes, so that is uh, my hot take. Um, final thoughts and letter grade on Home Alone. Gotta give it an A. I'll Ooh. be biased. I, I will. I'll just defend my biasness. Hill. Uh, it's just. It, it's just a great movie. Every time you see it, are you ever upset that you watched it? No, no, not at all. I'm super happy. No. Yeah, and, I'm, and I'm I, 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 I don't think I've met anybody that says they hate it. Yeah, I agree. I um, I don't think I've ever hated it. So it's uh it's pretty great i'd say it's an a for me as well this is one of my favorite if not my most favorite uh holiday film um it's tough to list the top five even though we just did our top five christmas movies but to what, were, what my, were your top five uh the santa claus home alone jingle all the way a, a christmas vacation and it's a wonderful life oh i love okay so katie's favorite one is the santa claus oh it's so uh, good my buddy Baron and I always will quote Jingle All the Way. Actually, Jingle I haven't. Wa- so good. I have not watched that yet, and I'm probably going to end up going to watch it after we record this. <laughs> Jamie, Jamie, he I'll knows my well, name. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Turbo and, Man and Sinbad. Yeah. Shut up, but Booster. Nobody likes you. Ta-ta for now, Turtle Ta-ta Man. Ta-ta for now, Turtle Man. <laughs> yeah, I love Jingle All the Way. That one I'm has going to have to go watch that. Audiences. You should totally. I love it. Um, cool. All right, man. Uh, tell me a movie you're excited for or what I should be watching now. Uh, not not a movie, a series. Uh, it's so funny. My, my buddy Ryan and I were watching uh, Andor. And if you haven't been watching oh, it, yeah. uh, it was a show as a as a big Star Wars fan. Um, or big Star Wars, like, you know, I'm a big Star Wars fan. Uh, it was a series that I didn't at first want. But now that I've seen it, mm-hmm. uh, I can't get enough of it. I can't wait. The, the writing on this was superb. And we were, we, uh, my buddy Ryan and I kept telling our friend Corey, you know, Corey, you've got to watch this. Uh, I would definitely give it a, give it a shout, give it a try. Um, it's got, uh, Stellan Skarsgård. Um, mm-hmm. uh, oh my gosh. I mean, Skarsgård in it is just wonderful. And the writing is, is phenomenal. So give that a shot and give it a try. Even if you're not the biggest Star Wars fan. Uh, and that's all I got to say about that. Okay, I like it. Yeah, I've heard good things about it. I'm nervous to get into shows. I'm getting overwhelmed with all the Disney Plus and and, all the Marvel and Star Wars shows. But a lot of people have been saying Andor is great. So I will have to check it out one of these days. Oh, yeah. Um, Cool. All right. Where can we find you on social media? Pretty much. I'm just being boring on Instagram. uh, John.Edmonds on Instagram. Other than that, I'm just posting random stuff. So random stuff that's what we like to hear but dig it um excellent and then before we go give me uh your tell me a christmas tradition that you that you love so much what's what's something that you like to do during the christmas time oh man probably a christmas time tradition i remember it's either getting peppermint ice cream Ooh, that's and good. then and then also we won't start decorating the house uh until uh at least black friday 
We won't. Okay. We don't like, you know, some people decorate it, you know, beginning of November. That's kind of like our Christmas tradition is that we don't start until Black Friday. You let Thanksgiving have its place. Mm hmm. OK, I can dig it. I like that. Yeah, that's a good tradition. I usually uh, decorate December 1st. I did take it back a little bit. I just uh, decorated the other day, but that was more because it was just easier. So, oh, yeah, um, I dig it. Yeah, my my tradition is my family. When we were growing up, you wake up, you open one present Christmas Eve and then you wake up really early. You open your presents in the morning on Christmas Day. You have brunch and hang out and do whatever and watch movies. And then at night you open stockings and stockings were usually filled with candy and Q-tips and nail clippers and chapstick and random stuff like that, that you needed toiletries and whatever. So, oh, I like that. I remember uh, our Christmas day. Yeah, we would order, uh, open up all of our presents uh, in the morning and then we go mm-hmm. to my, our Nana's house. And then my uh, my brother Arthur and I, uh, our Nana was notorious for giving those you know that really cheap toys that are in the aisle of like CVS yeah. or Rite Aid? <laughs> yeah. The ones that it's like nobody wants. They, I don't even know why they have them there. Those mm-hmm. would always be in your stocking every year. Love it. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> that was like our Nana's tradition to give to us. And it was like, even when we were into our 20s of like, you know, we don't need this fuzzy wool, the, the woolly wool head drawing where you could draw with the magnet. But you do. But you, you do. do. Need it. But I, I cherish the memories. You do need it. That's the biggest thing. So love it. Great. I'm, I'm, I'm very excited. So awesome. John, thank you so much. It's been a blast. I'll definitely have you on again. And I oh, always love talking movies again. with you. I love that. I can't wait to be on again. Yeah, we'll have to do a Formula One movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, vroom, anyways. Vroom. Yeah, vroom, vroom. Well, thank you very much for listening to the Don't Be Crazy podcast. Remember to follow us on Twitter at dbcrazypod and at ZachDale60, where you can share your thoughts, give us film suggestions, tell us if we're crazy, or just send funny memes. Make sure you subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. Additionally, we're also available on every other major podcast app. Thank you so very much. Thank you for listening. And until next time, don't be crazy. Bye.